right, I'm just going to read a meditation for this first Sunday in Lent. So, <clears throat> we begin for Jesus to undo death. He's done it before, and he'll do it again. When death comes in the winter, it's all too easy to forget that a warmer day is ahead. And when death is all we can see in our lives, in our environment, in our homes, we beg for Jesus to undo that kind of death too. He's done it before, and he'll do it again. Jesus, remind us of what once was. Breath, roots growing deep, laughter, prayer. But don't let us forget that precious in-between when everything is still. The moment between breaths. The roots that remain, no longer giving life, but sustaining it deep within the earth. The laughter that echoes on, that we hear from a distance another time. The prayer that sometimes can only amount to one word, why? Why death? Why a cold, harsh winter? When a farmer tends to her acre, he prepares for this death. She welcomes it. She cuts the dead plants off just at ground level. The leaves, the roots underneath. She knows that death is strength that gives her next crop the foundation to keep growing. Picture it. Old roots forming a strong network. Deep where we cannot see. New roots must intertwine to fit within the old. Death provides a way for growth, for life. He's done this before, and he'll do it again. But we can't skip the grieving, even when Jesus wept. He wept, even knowing that life was coming. For someone already decomposing, death was a must. That moment between breaths. When we cannot breathe, when our roots are dormant in the winter, Jesus weeps with us. He holds us all. He holds our lives deeply inside of sacred ground, where we all intertwined with God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus. Nestled between the place where Jesus died for us, growing amongst the space that rem remains safe, secure, and filled with just what we need. Yes, it can be cold. Yes, it can be dark. Yes, it can feel like it will last forever. And there's no space cold enough, dark enough, long enough, where God is not willing to meet us, to scoop us up and to love us back to life, to be the conqueror of death. He's done it before, and he'll do it again. So beautiful, and that does not come from some Google search or some book of common prayer. That comes via Melinda Haas. Um, Melinda, I, I've said this before. Um, we have these lists of volunteer opportunities that we've put together, and yet if you have a, a strength or a passion that you think could benefit the church, let us know because we want to figure out a way to use it. Melinda is a gifted writer. Um, and she, she wrote this just, what, yesterday? Yesterday she wrote this. 
and uh, she's going to continue writing for us um, over the course of this series and um, over the course of however long your involvement with us is. So thank you, Melinda. Yeah, let's give her a hand. I don't, I don't mind giving people praise that they deserve. Uh, this time of year is not my favorite. <laughs> I have a really love-hate relationship with with this time of year. On the one hand, it's like, so it's technically meteorological spring. We, we've put the, the worst of winter behind us. The days are getting longer to the point where even my five-year-olds are recognizing that the days are getting longer. Um, we, we have snow, but it's not like as daunting because we know that it's going to be gone soon, right? Uh, you walk outside and the air doesn't hurt your face. <laughs> These are good things, right? At the same time, uh, because we are in Minnesota, our actual spring is, is quite a ways off. So even as the snow disappears, what is revealed is like all of the stuff that got left behind last fall when we ran out of time. All of this stuff that we had not dealt with. And because the days are getting longer, we just get more time during the day to look at all that stuff, right? So um, as, as the snow started um, melting this past week, I'm looking at these rotten leaves that we didn't get to. They were the last ones to fall off the trees. Um, all of the dog stuff that we haven't picked up over the winter, right? All of these other animals that have gone through our yard over the past uh, several months, leaving their stuff as well. Um, I haven't found any yet this year, but I have sometimes found like actual dead animals. Not great, not fun to deal with. Of course, I'm always the one who's got to deal with them. And then there's the dirt. <laughs> or uh, because it's wet, the mud. And the mud is everywhere. And it gets everywhere. And it gets on your shoes. And it gets on your car. And it gets in the house. And it gets on the dog. And it gets on the kids. It gets on the kids. And then what do the kids do? They bring it everywhere else. <laughs> the dirt and the mud get everywhere. You probably get the picture that I'm not a huge fan of dirt and mud. I'm not. My wife, who's an occupational therapist, she loves this stuff. I do not care for dirt and mud. And yet, in advance of this series that we're kicking off today called We Were Seeds, one of the things that I spent time researching this week was dirt and mud and manure and compost, and it is pretty incredible stuff. So, from, this is from the book, one of these books that I kind of just cracked open and tried to figure out what was going on. The Rodale Book of Composting. This is a thing, you can get it from the library. Compost improves soil texture and structure, qualities that enable soil to retain nutrients, moisture, and air for the support of healthy crops. By increasing the soil's moisture-holding capacity, compost helps control erosion that otherwise would wash topsoil into waterways. Compost is the best recycler of biological waste, turning millions of tons of our refuse into food-growing asset. Compost provides and releases plant nutrients, protects against drought, controls pH, supports essential bacteria, feeds help healthy earthworms, stops nutrient loss through leaching, acts as a buffer against toxins in the soil, controls weeds, and conserves non-renewable energy resources. Beyond this, we are learning that using compost in place of synthetic fertilizer, especially nitrogen, not only confers great resilience in the face of 
increasingly severe weather events, but also works to reverse the dangerous buildup of carbon dioxide in our atmosphere by storing carbon in the form of stable soil humus. Whew. I did not understand a lot of that. However, the stuff that I did understand, it's like, this is amazing. Dirt and mud and compost, it includes lots of dead things, but it is not itself dead. In fact, it is alive and preparing to, to birth even more life out of it, out of the messiness. As Katie mentioned earlier, we are, uh, as we turn the page into meteorological spring, we're also turning in the Christian calendar and the church calendar over to this season known as Lent. Lent is this uh, Germanic uh, word that can either mean spring or uh, long, like the long days. It was meant to describe this time that happens during the 46 days between Ash Wednesday, which was this past week, and Easter. That's kind of the, the scope of this season of Lent. And Lent is supposed to be this season where you are reflecting on your humanity and your mortality. It's this time when you're, you're thinking about what it means to be human, uh, which is a good thing to do. And yet often in, in some traditions, it's kind of taken a step or several steps too far, almost to the point of like self-hatred. Yes, you are human. Yes, you are. Uh, there is uh, sinfulness in, in the world and sin in you even, but you yourself are a sinner. You are, that is your identity, your core identity. You are uh, depraved. You are, dare I even say, dirty. This might come as a surprise to you, but I actually think that last one, dirty, is true. And is what this series is all about. We live in a world that is full of dirtiness, that is full of uh, manure and compost and dead things. We are not untouched by those things, right? And yet you are not, we are not ourselves dirt. We are not ourselves dirty. Maybe we are, in fact, the seeds that can grow from that dirtiness, that can grow from that soil, that can grow from that compost. So that is what we're going to be focusing on over these next six weeks leading up to Easter, what it means for us to be seeds that grow out of this, uh, out of this dirt, out of this compost that is life. And in order to do that, we are going to continue reading through the Gospel according to John as we started at the beginning of the year. This is one of the four uh, biographies about the life of Jesus that we have in our Bible. And we're going to be reading today from a story about John, I'm sorry, about Jesus and one of his friends named Lazarus. Now, as the story begins, uh, Jesus is with his followers somewhere, and he gets news from Lazarus's family that Lazarus is deathly ill. And of course, the news is coming to him because hopefully, they're reaching out to Jesus because hopefully he's able to do something about it. They've, they've heard about these miracles, about these signs, about these healings even that he's done. And so they go to Jesus in hope that he will rush to his friend's side and do something about it, to heal him, to make sure it doesn't go any further. But Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't get up and go right away. And his, his followers are like super confused about why he's dragging his feet why he's not rushing to his friend's side in order to do something about it. And 
it's really confusing because he even says these things. Uh, he says, This sickness will not lead to death, but to God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Okay? He gets questioned again about why he's dragging his feet, and then he says, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. Great. Well, now he gets super explicit because his, his followers still don't understand. Lazarus has died. And I am glad for your sake that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Awesome. I'm glad I wasn't there so that he's died. <laughs> Excellent. Just what you want to hear, right? Well, uh, now we get to hear, now we'll jump into the story. This is what happens now that Jesus has gotten up off his butt and gone to see his friend and hopefully able to do something about it. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had been dead in the tomb for four days already. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, so many of the Jewish people of the region had come to Martha and Mary to console them over the loss of their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will grant you. Jesus replied, your brother will come back to life again. Martha said, I know that he will come back to life again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even if he dies, and the one who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She replied, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who comes into the world. Now, when Mary came to the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Exact same line as her sister. When Jesus saw her weeping, the people who had come with her weeping, he was intensely moved in spirit and greatly distressed. He asked, where have you laid him? They replied, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Thus the people who had come to mourn said, look how much he loved him. But some of them said, this is the man who caused the blind man to see. Couldn't he have done something to keep Lazarus from dying? Jesus intensely moved again, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave and a stone had been placed across it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, replied, Lord, by this time the body will have a bad smell because he has been buried four days. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that if you believe you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you that you have listened to me. I knew that you always listened to me, but I said this for the sake of the crowd standing around here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, he shouted in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The one who had died came out, his feet and hands tied up with strips of cloth and a cloth wrapped around his face. Jesus said to them, unwrap him and let him go. There's a lot that goes into this story. There's a lot that's going on, and I actually skipped over some of the stuff in the middle of the story. But a couple things that, that we could potentially pick up on. First is this idea that Jesus is the only one who isn't like rushing to make sure that Lazarus can be saved, <laughs> that something can be done before he ends up dying. His followers, uh, Martha and Mary, even the crowd, uh, the townspeople, 
they're, they're all like, you could have done something about this. Why haven't you done something about this? Now, we could have a conversation, and if you want to have this conversation afterwards, we can have this conversation about whether God actually uh, allows or uh, makes bad things happen in order to te- teach people lessons. I would say no. <laughs> Uh, or if this is like a literary device that John is using in order to say something important about Jesus. Yes, I would say that that is the case. I mean, the, Jesus knows what's going to happen, and yet he still breaks down. He still cries over the loss of his friend. And yet he continues to insist, you are going to miss out on something if you rush to healing. You are going to miss out on something if you don't allow this death to happen. You're going to miss out on something life-changing, even. So that's the first thing that we could maybe pick up on. The second one is when, when Martha comes to Mary, or sorry, when Martha comes to, to Jesus, she's, she says that, I know that I'm going to see my, my brother again. That at the end of time, yet we're all going to be resurrected and I'm going to see my brother again. I know that's what you're talking about when you say that he's going to come back to life. And Jesus immediately pushes back on that and says, I am the resurrection and the life. These benefits uh, of resurrection, they don't have to be pushed off until the end times. They have implications. You can feel it now. We could talk about that. What I instead want to focus on is what happens when Jesus asks that the tomb be opened. What is Martha's immediate response? That man's going to stink. <laughs> He's been in there for four days. He is going to stink. The decay has already begun. Obviously, she is upset about her, her brother's death. She wanted him not to die. That's why she reached out to Jesus to begin with. And yet he's died. She's become resolved to that. She's even been, become resolved to this idea of, well, I'm going to see him again someday at the, at the end of time. But when she hears that Jesus is going to uh, open the tomb, her immediate response is this. Lord, by this time the body will have a bad smell because he has been buried for four days. She's worried primarily about the stank. But this is what Jesus says back to her. Didn't I tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? The glory of God is somehow in the stank. The glory of God is somehow in the decay. The the glory of God is somehow in the death. And it's only in that that she's going to be able to experience the glory of God. It's only through allowing this death to happen that she's going to experience that that glory, that goodness. Ah, that's something. Uh, One of the other books that I was reading through this past week was a book by Wendell Berry, any of you familiar with Wendell Berry? He's an essayist and uh, environmental activist. Um, in this book called The Unsettling of America, he said that one of our problems in our modern age is that we treat everything as machines. Machines are about um, productivity and efficiency and predictability. And so we treat our agriculture, we even treat our spirituality, we treat animals and plants and soil and ourselves as machines. So if you are 
productive, if you are efficient, if you are predictable, then you're on the right track. But if you're not, if you fail to be productive or efficient or predictable, then you're as good as dead and you might as well just be thrown out because you can be replaced. That, Wendell Berry says, is the problem of our modern age. And yet, here's the good news, albeit the messier, you might even say dirtier news. You are not a machine. We are not machines. You are not replaceable. You are not dispensable. You are, and we are, organic beings. We are walking contradictions filled with both life and death. And death, maybe, is just another word for potential for life. We hold these things in our organic beings rather than just being machines that are all about productivity and efficiency. Th this is like where we lie. This is the good news for us today. We, we hold both of those things in common all at the same time. We live in a world that's full of messiness, right? We ourselves have all sorts of messiness and rot and decay and death and life often goes to that blank that four-letter expletive that I'm going to fight this entire series to not say from the front. We have, we have that. We deal with it on a daily basis across our lives, across our world. And yet, we are not those things. We are seeds. We are the seeds that are full of both life and the potential for life, also known as death, that can grow goodness out of that messiness. So my prayer for us for you, for me, as we enter into this season of Lent, as we enter into this series, is that we will embrace that identity as seeds. That we will acknowledge that messiness, that we will acknowledge that dirt, that compost, that death, decay that surrounds us, and we will recognize that this is an opportunity for us to grow goodness and in the process to experience the glory of God. Let that be so.